Okay, good evening everybody. Rabbi, I want to thank you for letting us sponsor, sponsoring the class here. Um, obviously today's class is in Skot of Yerachmel, Diyadim and Tova Basha. Hashem give him a full shulema, success of Lisheva Banava, and in Gadiel Ben Lisheva, Shefam Lisheva, Emel Lisheva, Reina Malkava Tova Basha, and Gadiel Ben Lisheva. Um, today's class is also, today's also Chayel. It's a very, very big day. Um, this is the birthplace of Hasidus today. Believe it or not, the Baal Shem Tov was born today, and also the Balatanya was born today. So whatever we're feeding from Chabad, Breslev, it's all, this is all from, 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 from the Baal Shem Tov. So it's an amazing day today. Today I'm going to give you 12 steps on how to have a great year. How to not repeat the same cycles. It's very, very important that we, we don't always ask for better years without becoming better people, better us. If you want a better year, you have to more focus on a better you. What can, what, what can we do better than last year? What can we change the, the consciousness? Because at the end of the day, when we're in the right consciousness, we attract different things. That's the bottom line. When we wait for other things to happen without fixing ourselves, then we pretty much wait for things to happen. So today I'm going to talk to you about more or less 12 things I thought about. God willing, next week I'm going to Ukraine, I'm going to Mez, I'm going to a bunch of places in, in Europe. And I said, what, what can I really give everybody the right message on what to do this year, Bishop Hashem? Okay? So the number one thing, the number one thing is the concept of the shofar. Rabbi Nachman says the purpose of the shofar is not to make a playlist out of it. The purpose of the shofar is to wake you up. To wake us up. That's what the shofar does. It removes the crookedness of our hearts. What does that mean, the crookedness of our hearts? Sometimes we're in a relationship that somebody's divided in the relationship, right? When somebody starts becoming divided in the relationship, you can pretty much see where the relationship goes. It goes nowhere. So what happens is, when we have, where's the division? The division's in our hearts. Sometimes, unfortunately, we'd rather sleep than face life. We'd rather sleep than face our challenges. And this is where the crookedness of the heart begins. So the shofar, the purpose of the shofar is really to wake up the sleepers. To wake up the sleeping consciousness. Sleeping is not a matter of just sleeping. Sleeping is very beneficial if you have faith. Because then you need a break from life. But if you're using sleep as a form of escape, or running away from life, I don't even want to, I don't even want to get up in the morning. That brings you into a state of constriction consciousness. This is why we speak so much about the mornings. The mornings being so key. Because the way you approach a challenge versus running away from things has a major, major impact in heaven. So the shofar, when you're thinking about the shofar, think about areas in your life that you are asleep. Some of us were asleep to our health. Some of us were asleep spiritually. Some of us were asleep praying. We were asleep. And this is what causes, God forbid, judgment in our lives. Because at the end of the day, you're, we come from greatness, and we have to desire greatness. So when we fall asleep, and we don't approach, and we don't approach life, and we don't get growth, then this is where, unfortunately, the wake-up calls come from in life. So that's the, think about the, the shofar really waking you up. This is the purpose of, it's a wake-up call. As it says, more importantly, it's a wake-up call. Rabbi Nachman also says, it also removes the crookedness of the heart. The crookedness of the heart, how do, how do we create crookedness in the heart? We create crookedness in our heart by having fear. When we have fear, our hearts become divided. We start questioning everything. Instead of going into growth, we go away from growth. So that's the main intention of the shofar. That's why when you have, when the, the, when the rabbi is blowing the shofar, 
make sure you, are, you, have, you go into a meditation of thinking about clearing all the... Because remember, all actions are based on our beliefs. So if we don't have... If our heart's divided, everything else is pretty much divided. If you're looking at... If you're into a relationship and your heart's divided, you can see little by little we stop renewing ourselves. And this is why Rabbi Nachman says Rosh Hashanah is also about thinking very positively. You have to think very positively in Rosh Hashanah. And you have to speak very little. Think positively, but speak very little. Be careful with what you say. Don't talk about Biden's speech the whole Rosh Hashanah. Your whole year is on the line. You don't want to talk about nonsense all day, all day long. You have to be very careful what you think about, what you focus on, on those two days. This is why, thank God I'm going to Ukraine, but this is a place where it's all one. It's all refreshing of the mind. Because remember, the main rectification is in the mind. Pretty much, think about all our issues in our life. The main rectification is how we view them. So that is some of the things about Rosh Hashanah, is waking up, waking up. And I always said, imagine somebody gave you a three-day warning, 2020, and says, listen, before 2020 comes, I'm going to just show you a preview of this virus that's going to come out. I'm just going to show you what could be. Now you have three days to kill, the, to, three days to, to cry out from heaven. Would you think people would show up to synagogue in a valet? What, what time is the service? Oh, you would be like crying your heart if you recognized you had three days to change everything. Pretty much you have to figure it like that. You have to pretend those three days, that's why it's very important, the intensity in what you do, the intention behind what we do. It's not even what you say, it's your intention behind. Our sages say something very, very important. You get judged more for your intention than sometimes your action. This is why you get a reward for, doing, for just thinking about doing a mitzvah and not actually doing it. Like if you're prevented from it and you think about doing it, you get the same reward as you did it itself. So that's another thing. Have good intentions. Have good intentions. So let's talk about more or less some of the 12, the 12 steps that I pretty much came up with. A lot of it is, is the concepts that we spoke about. But the number one thing is obviously crown the king. This is the main thing about Rosh Hashanah, is surrendering and crowning your creator. What does crowning mean? Crowning, to, crowning means approval. It's an approval of your Creator, approval of the way your Creator is running your life. So imagine we go up to the King, we say, you're the greatest, but inside our hearts we don't believe that. We're saying you're 100% approval, but inside our hearts we're like, ah, 20%. So that's a mismatch. It's very, very important. Sometimes in life when you can't approve, this is where you have to learn to surrender. This is why we speak a lot about surrender, because our logical minds won't let us get to sometimes approval. But at the end of the day, the, the number one thing in Rosh Hashanah, the first thing we have to think about, is I, I'm really crowning the king. Hashem Melech, Hashem is the king, kingship, we speak about it all the time. And if we don't have the kingship concept, yeah, we could say it, but we have to really believe it. Because when you believe everything is one, this is how you're able to draw Shefa. This is the whole concept of faith. What does faith mean? Everything is one. Everything is one. There's no, not when I have a good day, I'm a different person than I have a bad day. It's all one. That's really the rectification of everything, is to make everything one. And this is what gratitude does for us also. This is why we say, I had a class the other day, the gratitude experience. 
When you make everything one, that's gratitude. When you're seeing it's all one. Do I understand it? No. But I can thank in advance. That is basically showing that everything is one. This is why gratitude has so much abundance of blessings. Because gratitude is one, means everything is one. There's no division between right and left. Everything is one. And this is something that it takes a lot, a lot of effort. And you have to really, really focus. But at the end of the day, you know it works. When we're grateful, good things happen. When we're not grateful, disaster happens. So pretty much, pretty much, we know it works and we know it does, what doesn't work. So we have to really, the first thing is crown the king. Crown the king is the first intention you should think about is crowning the king. Part of Elul, part of the challenge in Elul was the concept of kavod. One of the things we had to go through in Elul is a lot of embarrassments, obstacles. So what are these obstacles, these embarrassments? What happens is when you get embarrassed, and you accept the embarrassment, and you get insulted, and you accept it with happiness, you're running away from honor. So the more to the extent that we run away from honor, we get honor from our Creator. You understand? To the extent that I run for honor, honor runs away from me. So part of, the, of, of this Elul concept, that means Hashem wants to give us a big blessing on Rosh Hashanah, but first He has to cleanse, cleanse us. And this is where all these cle major cleansings, and ups and downs, and all kinds of, you know, people talk about God insulted and this. Welcome to Elul. This is where you go ups and downs. You know, an insult could also be a failure. An insult could be any, anything. But these insults are very, very, a major way of cleansing. We cleanse ourselves. So when we're cleansed, because remember, when you embarrass somebody, when somebody gets insulted, he turns from red to white. Let's say he had a death sentence, God forbid, or, or a sentence that he wasn't so positive. So when he gets embarrassed, he goes from red to white. That red to white is the blood being spilt. It's like your blood's being spilt. So it's, it's, it's a form of a big tikkun. It's a big rectification. This is why the way you look at adversary, the way you look at insults, you shouldn't take it personal. You should say, heaven is cleansing you. Because you're never going to get to any place of humility without the cleansing. Cleansing is part of the blessing. Because remember, the cleansing came premature, it would, be, it would have stains. So our, our Creator always purifies us, etc. We spoke about before the concept that what we call, what we call pain, God, God calls love. What we think is pain, God calls, God calls love. Because at the end of the day, it's all a purification. Okay, so the first step, focus on crowning the Creator, not crowning yourself. Remember that. The more we crown ourselves, the more resentment we have, the more disappointment we have the more we're looking for honor, the more we're likely to be insulted. The more we crown our Creator, the more gratitude, and the more we let our Creator in our lives. Number two, it's very, very important, again, same concept, but being grateful for last year, finding a way to squeeze the good out of last year. Whatever was good last year, you have to also, because remember, people that are grateful for the past can sing for the future. But if I don't have gratitude for the past, I'm not going to end up sitting for the future. So some of the ways to come out of gratitude is not to say you had bad, a bad year. You could say you had a bitter year. You could say, the Baal Shem Tov says, you could say you had a bitter year. You could say you, it was a, a character development year. It was a year of a lot of introspection, a lot of building, a lot of, uh, a lot of mindfulness. But you don't want to say bad, because bad is the opposite of gratitude. Bitter is okay. Bitter is okay. Life is bitter. Specifically, we know life is bitter because 
before the Jews got Shabbat, they had to go through bitterness. And this is why Rabbi Nachman says that most bitterness, every time you're going to have peace, you're going to have bitterness before. That's the recipe. Before peace, there's bitterness. Rabbi Nachman says this in Lesson 27. This is why he speaks about before the Jews got Shabbat, they had this, the test at Marah. Marah means bitterness. So practically, you have a, an argument with your spouse, you have an argument with people, there's that bitterness, but after that you should come to a higher level of peace. That's really the purpose. So think about this concept of bitterness. It's okay to say you have bitterness. It's okay to say you have a broken heart. It's not okay to say you are fed up with life and you're done with it. That's a problem. And believe me, I'm going through a challenge today that you can't imagine. Beyond your recognition, beyond my comfort zone, way beyond my comfort zone that I even thought I can get to my comfort zone, I'm going through a tremendous challenge. But again, we can't, we can't quit and we can't abandon the ship. We have to continue to go. And this is exactly the test. A person is getting tested daily. Every single day is getting tested. And when a person is able to show up when he's had a rough day and he shows up the same as he has a good day, then you get the reward exactly for that situation. So don't think also, think about these tests in our lives. Anytime we're getting tested, it's, it's, we're using, it's God's name, Elohim, God's name of concealment, God's name of hiddenness. So there has to be that concept of the hiddenness. And this is where the ultimate goal is when we say Hashem is one. It's the same kavana that we have when we say Shema. Hashem Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. The same of Yirkei Vavkei and Elokeinu is one. This is exactly what we're saying every single day in Shema. This is specifically why we say Shema with our eyes closed. Because it's not logical. Shema is completely, completely surrendering to everything is one. And this could involve breaking up with people. This could involve many failures in our lives. Look at it as one. That's the ultimate way to get to the next level. Everything is one. You know, if somebody would take you right now and spin you around, you know how they, you know how you get your focus? Point. What do they do? They say, hey, can you see the finger? Can you see the finger? Yes. That's how you get back to focus. So even if you get spun in life around and you just stick to one, that's how you get your focus back. So try it. Spin, spin somebody around a little bit, and then see how do you get your focus back? You look at one. We also speak about gratitude in the second concept. Gratitude is the exit strategy, by the way. You want to exit a problem, you have to advance an emotion before, then the experience. Remember that concept. If you want something you've never had before, you have, some, you have to do something you never did before. So that means you have to create an emotion, or you have to almost walk into that experience like it's already done then you'll attract it. It's, the, it's, the, it's pretty much the easiest thing to do, yet the hardest thing to do. If you feel sick, you have to picture yourself feeling great. Why? Because that's also a moon. A moon is the belief that things are going to get better. A moon is the ability to see greater than I feel. And this is what Joe Dispenza talks a lot about, being able to connect to a much higher emotion, being able to think greater than you feel. That is definitely connecting to faith. So also, we can imagine having a great year. We can imagine good things. We can imagine our relationships getting better because we have the power to do that. The last thing you want to do in Rosh Hashanah is have anxiety and be worried. Because just like you start the year, you will end the year. Just like you start the year, you will end the year. Very, very important. You want to have a very, very clean slate. Clean. Everything clean. You want to be very careful to be mindful, not to allow this negativity, these fears, 
24 hours, don't watch any new, don't watch just anything toxic. Bye-bye, not now. I'll see you in Yom Kippur. Come back later. I'm busy right now. Anything toxic, anything negative, just completely knock it out. This is the chametz that we're walking, that we're, that we're running away from. Because remember, the concept of negativity, it's not like it just stays there. It grows. It ferments. It makes phobias. It takes you to places you've never would have been before. But if you just connect it to matzah, zero, it's flat, it can't do that. This is exactly, matzah means dot. Matzah means consciousness. Number three. So the first one is crown, crown, crown the king, not crown yourself. Number two, be grateful for last year because gratitude breaks everything and it's the ultimate exit strategy. The exit strategy is to be grateful. Very hard, but it's, the, it's almost, our, our sages say when a person's grateful for something that he's going through a test, it's considered like he gave a sacrifice. It's like considered like he gave you a sacrifice. This is Hashem went to Poland. Gratitude, gratitude, because gratitude breaks everything. Our sages say, when a person cries, he removes the gates of prayer. He opens up the gates. But gratitude, he doesn't have gates. He doesn't even have them. Tears open them up. Gratitude breaks them. They don't have gates. It's the highest form of prophecy, practically. Our sages say that, that a person cannot have prophecy unless he's in a state of, of consciousness, in a very peak state. Otherwise, your creator is not going to communicate with you. So whatever you got to do to get you there, it could be laughing, it could be right, whatever you got to do to get yourself out of the present, mundane, negative thought pattern, you have to go there. And this is where you just have to, you, once you get into a practice of going there, you'll, you'll use it as a tool and you'll go there. You'll go there. Number three, very important that we, we this year, the, the opposite of what this year was is fear and contraction. What you have to do this year is trust and expansion. The more I trust, the more everything expands in my life, pretty much. Trust expands things in your life, expands relationship. You have a relationship with trust. What happens to that relationship? It expands. You have a business with trust. What happens? It expands. You make decisions, it expands. What does fear do? Contraction. Fear is a contraction. Fear, people who have fear, they don't do. They don't make decisions. They don't do anything. They go into contraction. And they seek safety instead of growth. So this is an area where you really want to say, Am I, did I, how, did I how much trust did I do this year? How much trust? Because trust, believe it or not, is a spiritual magnet. Trust is a magnet to attract what you want. Fear is a magnet to attract what you don't want. Pretty much, that's what it is. So you just say, when you have trust, you're surrounded by mercy. When you have fear, you're, you're all of a sudden, you're, you're led to the person you have fear with. Very, very important. Think about things in your life that are expanding. And things, think about things in your life that are contracting. And the reason why they're not expanding is because you have fear. It could be a fear of not good enough, being good enough, fear of failure. What's the difference what it is? Somehow or another, you will get lessons in life and you will never be able to prevent them. So remember, your job is to get going, get the lesson, and grow. Last thing you want to do is contract. Contraction is the worst thing we can do today. So remember that. Think about areas in your life. If you're in a relationship, trust. 
Trust. Well, how do I know it's going to work out? <laughs> you don't. You have to trust. It's not something logical. Otherwise, there would be no reward for it. You have to focus on that word. And this is just, just go back into the last year. Think about areas where you've, you've had many, many yokes, many obstacles, many challenges. And think, ask yourself, did I trust 100% in these things? And I promise you, if you look, reflect back, you'll recognize the areas that did not have growth were areas that were ridden with fear, with control, with lack of growth, with lack of happiness, etc. This is why Rabbi Nachman says, a person who fears will guarantee to, be make, to make a mistake. You know, there's segulot. You know, everybody's into these, the segulot. Everybody loves the segulot. You want to guarantee segulot to make a mistake? Have fear. <laughs> That's a guarantee. It's guaranteed to work. Because what happens is we have fear, we start being paranoid, and then we bring that energy to other people, and then we exhaust other people, and it's just, it's a whole mess that you don't want to get involved with. Number four. Number four, it's very, very important. I can't stress this enough that you should stay in your lane. I can't stress that enough, stay in your lane. Fortunately today, everybody's in everybody else's lane. Everybody wants to, did you vaccinate this, this, this? Everybody's in everybody's face. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. You gotta stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Unless you're running for Mother Teresa, you wanna change the world, stay in your lane. Because you can't change the world unless you spend enough time changing yourself. And when you know how hard it is to change yourself, you don't have time to change other people. You see the problem? The problem is when you're working on yourself is a 24-hour job. Okay? It's 24 hours. It's so much work working on yourself that a person who doesn't work on himself is saying, well, I'm good, but let me, let me judge the rest of the world. And ultimately what that does, it just brings us nothing but problems. Why does it bring us nothing but problems? Because your creators say, listen, we have two problems. You're not where you're supposed to be, and you're in somebody else's lane. So now you got two problems. You're not fixing your own mess. This is why Rabbi Rush says, when a person spends time doing an hour in his bodhidut, he has barely, barely suffering. Why? Why does he have no suffering? Yes, he has dinim, but he can fix them very quickly. Because this guy's busy. He's busy working on himself. He's talking to God. He needs a wake-up call. He needs a wake-up call. The guy's already busy. He's busy bitling himself. Why does he need a wake-up call? He doesn't need a wake-up call. He's busy already. God doesn't need to send him more time to re go reflect. He's already doing it. So what does he need a wake-up call? So this is why when a person does that, you know, I call it spiritual watching game film. When you watch game film and you check, you, you don't need to be reminded of things that you're doing wrong. So staying in your lane also represents when I'm grateful, I don't, I'll never want what somebody else's has. Because there's a famous line in the Gemara that I said to everybody, and I tell this a thousand times to people. Gemara says very clearly, it says, when a person, anybody who sets his eyes on what is not his, is denied of what he seeks. So all those who are into the law of attraction, you're out of the game already. You're knocked out. You're knocked out because whatever I'm gonna seek, I'm denied of it. Because it's against the law of attraction. I'm looking at somebody else. Okay? Is denied of what he's denied, what he seeks. And whatever he does have, God forbid, can get taken away from him. Very careful to do this. And you can see the Gemara, where Nachman says, when you're doing that, you're showing dissatisfaction with what you have. And I always tell people, you want to attract more in your life? 
feel abundant. Walk around with a gratitude board. Walk around with a gratitude board, not a vision board. Walk around with a gratitude board. And you'll see little by little, you will fill it up more and more and more. But somehow everybody's walking around with these vision boards. Make sure if you're going to have a vision board, make sure you have a massive gratitude board. You can't just walk around with lack. Here, here, creator, this is my wish list. This is what I don't have. What do you, imagine a kid comes up to you and says, listen, you give him a couple of toys, and here, I don't have this. This is the way you didn't get me. What are you going to tell him? Be grateful for what you have. I'm not giving you nothing. I'm not giving you nothing. I'm not giving you nothing. Be grateful for what you have. Again, it's easy. Remember very carefully. Where you're prone for this problem is when you're not, when you're not in a good state. When we're not in a good state, the first thing we say, how come I'm going through this? How come they how come she's married now? This is it's a you're not a malik doubt and confusion does not attack you when you're meditating and you're uh, in a good state. He attacks you when he knows where to attack you. Do you understand? The Yetzahara knows exactly when to attack you. He attacks you through sadness. And then he shows you. Look, everybody's married but you. Everybody has kids but you. Everybody has this but you. It's showing you like that. And this is why you have to be very, very careful. Believe me, if you're going to take somebody else's life, you better take the whole package, not just what you want. This is not the sports center, 10, 10 best highlights. Take the whole package. Take the penalties. Take, the, take everything. And when you see that, I promise you, in a heightened consciousness, you will not want anybody else's life. You will say, thank you, God. I don't want anybody else's life. I'm 100% complete. Because being jealous of other people is a very low consciousness. It's, it's, a, it's, it's rooted in fear. It's rooted in lack. It's a very low consciousness, and you can't attract. So just exactly what the Gemara says. Gemara says exactly that. So how come Yosef Atzadik was able to, to, to be so confident? You know why? Because Yosef Atzadik had the gift that everything he did in his life, he elevated it to God. That means if somebody says, nice watch, thank you Hashem. Nothing wrong with having talent, there's nothing wrong with being successful. But recognize you got that gift because your Creator gave it to you, bottom line. Then, you, then nothing, nobody can touch you. You're safe from the evil eye. Gratitude and bless and elevating everything to God blesses you from the evil eye. But when I say, Nice shirt. Yeah, I got it at this store. There you go. You just, you just, now you can get evil eye because you took, you took credit for it. So one of the things people compliment you, thank you, Hashem. Azdeh Hashem. It's a gift from Hashem. So it doesn't mean you can't have, can't have good things in life. Nobody's saying that. We're not meant to be nebaks also. You could have good things in life, but you have to elevate everything to God. Everything has to be elevated to God. Everything has to be elevated. When, you, when I take control, I say, me, or, or something I'm buying... I'm doing it just so I can, I can get compliments or feel good, then it's not elevating to God. Then you're susceptible, God forbid, to the evil eye. And this is, again, staying in your lane. When you stay in your lane, you don't sabotage your blessings. Why would you want to sabotage your blessing? Stay in your lane. Simple. You know where to go. Number five. One of the most important things you could do is extend your day. Extension of the day, even if you look at healthy successful CEOs, whatever, everybody's getting up super early. You don't want to say, what time do you get up? When my body feels like it. You can't, you can't say that. And this is the problem with Florida. 
We have beautiful weather. We have a lot of Gashmias here. And the problem is not a spiritual war. The problem is, do I want to get up in the morning and confront? Because the money, sometimes when we get too caught up in the money, we start losing the appetite for spirituality. You understand? So it's very, very important how you get up, how you view yourself, what time do you get up. Because remember, I promise you, what you could do at those hours, let's say four, five, six, seven, whatever time you want to get up, before the day starts, you will never be able to do those things in the middle of the day. So the bottom line is, if you don't do them in the morning, you're not doing that. If you're not meditating in the morning, guaranteed, you're not going to be able to do that. So do, breaking the mornings, Rav Nachman says, the key to wealth is extension of the day. And also, what does extension of the day do? It breaks negative patterns. Because how many people wake up in this, to the same pattern? So when I break the day, I'm creating a brand new pattern. Extending the day. I'm excited to face the day. I'm taking ownership of the day. I'm excited to grow in the day. That is called malchut. Extension of days. Versus my day is very, very short. So think about just practically. Whatever you get up, ask yourself. If this year, if I would have meditated for 20 minutes, or did breathing, or had a gratitude journal for 20 minutes before I started the day, how much different would my day, would my, my year be, and my mood be? I guarantee you, it would be completely different. So you have to take, you have to steal those 20 minutes. Steal them, you have to steal them. I, when I don't get up, when I, I don't get up at the right time, the day's, it's a reaction the whole day. When I get up at the right time, the, the vision's there, the consciousness is there, Emotional, I'm emotionally available for people. When I'm not there, I'm in my head. So think about areas, how, where, where to wake up. So in order to do that, what else do you need? And then you need to work on exercise and diet. Because if you're having like a, you know, these T-bone steaks at 9.30, you're not getting up till noon. You understand? So this is another thing. Food also can put you to sleep. So you have to, it's all one. If I have to, if, if I'm going to have this schedule of meditating in the morning, you see, then I start eating consciously at dinner. So see, oh, what am I eating? Let me be careful what I eat. Let me make sure I don't eat too much. So even that now becomes an elevated experience. Now you're saying, I'm eating properly so I can wake up in the morning to praise you. Don't you think you're going to have a, a good mindset? Versus, I let these late nights go. I'm not telling you you can go out... But have a couple of days where you anchor yourself, no matter what, I need to meditate, I need to fix, I need to run. You have to have that. Otherwise, there's no, there's no plan, there's no direction, and then we walk into repetitive patterns. And that's pretty much the worst, feeling like you're in a repetitive pattern that you can't break. There's only a billion books on breaking patterns. <laughs> a billion of them, but we know spiritually there's greater chance of breaking patterns before the sun comes out. Why? Because there's a, mount, there's a level of energy of chesed in the air. There's chesed in the air. There's mercy in the air. It's not the same time for me to break a pattern at 5 o'clock in the morning than at 9 o'clock in the morning. It's not, it's not possible. Because it, what, the energy that comes at 5 o'clock in the morning is, a, is, a, is an energy of ratzon. It's an energy of favor in heaven. It's a, anything before, after midnight, after... Um, when, when the sun in Florida, it's like 2.30. From 2.30 on, it goes from the darkest night to the greatest light in the flip of a switch. Flip of a switch. That's called the light of Hatzot. So anything you can to connect to that energy, 
you're going to get mercy and you're going to be able to favor and change your patterns. But once I get already, I wake up, once the sun comes out, it's already, hello, if the rooster's waking you up, you have to, you want a different year? You have to make the day longer. Why specifically also? Because when I make the day longer, I'm in a better mood. I'm in a better mood. I have more contemplation. I'm not taking everything so personal. I'm not reacting to life. So that's the next one. So think about areas in your life. There's two things that I say always you can control. You can control the mornings and you can control the nights. I'm not telling you not to go out. I'm not telling you. But unless every night is your birthday, you can't go out every night and party and think you're going to meditate in the morning. and have fun. You can't do that. You know, unless every night is your birthday. But I don't think so. So again, pick, pick a day. This day is I'm going to go out. This day is I have to go to sleep early to wake up for my morning routine. Tom Brady goes to sleep at 8.30 in the morning. Okay. 8.30 at night. Wow. Successful people don't, don't stay up uh, on their phones until 1 o'clock in the morning doing nothing. They don't do that. It's just not, no, they don't, you tell them that, you're crazy? You're crazy? I don't, we don't do that. So if you want more, you got to do more. And you have to be able to control the night and to control the morning. What happens in the middle of the day, God help us. But at least I have a grip. I have a grip. I have, I have somewhere I am. I'm, I know I'm at 72 degrees. Okay, I can get up to 80 degrees, but I'm not going to go and wake up at you know, 87 degrees and get to 93 and it's like, and it with a comet. Those days become short. And when there's shortened days, there's no vitality in that day. There's no blessing in that day. We all know that. We've been there. We've been there. We've been there days that we've woken up early. Day completely changed. Days were not. The days were, they lacked light. They lacked air. They lacked oxygen. They lacked vitality. It was a constant, it was putting out one fire, putting out the other fire. No vitality. We need vitality. We need a ruach. Ruach is very, very important because the way you breathe and the way you think are very connected. How you breathe and how you think are very, very connected. And this is where number six, we have to work on having an emotional control. This is it. You want to have a great control, you gotta, a person has to contain energy. How do we do that practically? We have to focus more on awareness versus attachment. Be aware of your thoughts. Stop attaching yourself to thoughts. Stop attaching. Don't, don't attach yourself to thoughts. Awareness versus attachment. Attachment means mentally I'm, connect, I'm confused. Bilbul, lack of clarity, more attachment. Not everything that happens to you is about you. Don't attach yourself. Don't take this everything so personal. That's emotional control. This is why our sages say in the Gemara that a person who does not respond back in an argument, the whole world is created for him. It's a pretty big reward. You understand the reward you get for, not ha for having emotional control? It's a big deal. So think about this concept. Because remember, when you have self-control, you have peace. When you have peace, you have blessing. You have blessing, you have blessing of everything. No self-control, no peace. Constant fighting, war, machlokhet, etc. So start focusing on this definitely the uh, more awareness and less attachment. And one of the best ways to do that is breathing. 
Breathe in and stop venting out. Gemara says, a fool vents out his, his feelings. Stop venting them out. Vent them to your Creator, but don't vent them to other people. So remember, think about areas in our lives, how much energy did we give away this year? How much energy did we give away venting things? I need to vent all the time. We don't know. We need to be more conscious so we don't have to vent. Not easy, but when you get that, the bottom line is, the less you vent, the more energy you have. Pretty much. And the more energy you have, the more you can do. And the more successful and happier you'll be. Pretty much it's the same pattern. Breathe more, vent less. The one prayer that God prays every single day is one thing. He says, may my anger, may my mercy override my compassion. I'm sorry, may my mercy override my anger. Right, we said that the other day. What is that? Also us, we get insulted, we get hurt. You have to focus more on mercy versus anger. Less venting. Less venting out. Look what people are doing all day long venting out. What do they get? Nothing. What do they get? Nobel Prize Award Award? Nothing. Complain of the year? Wonderful. Less venting. It's not good for a guy to vent in a relationship. Vent to your Creator. That's the whole point. You have a problem? Vent to your Creator. Don't vent. It shows a lack of, it shows a lack of direction. This is where I have a problem with somebody, I need to go vent to my Creator. I'm emotional. I need to, because it's not even about them usually when you're venting to people. It's because you're frustrated, you're holding things in, and you're not, and you have not meditated or bitled. Many things in life are not about the situation. It's, it's we did, we built up a lot of stuff, and then once things build up, boom. What do you expect? So when you know you're triggered easily all the time, it's a sign that you need to do more, more venting to your creator, and less venting to people. This is why we say this all the time. The number one way to stay in a problem is just blame. Guaranteed way to stay in a problem is to blame. Give me patience to come. I'm blaming this one for this. My parents are my addiction. I've never seen one person in recovery saying, I'm in recovery because I blame my parents for my addiction. I've yet to see that case of the wedding case. The cases that I see, you know what? I never saw it that way. I recognized my parents weren't able to give me as much. I never looked at them. I didn't recognize what they were going through. They make, make less about them and then they see the situation differently. That, winning cases all day long. But the ones that are still stuck blaming, 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 they get nothing. They get nothing. They get nothing. So that's number six. Number seven, stay present. Very important. Very important to stay present. To recognize it's a very powerful thing that a person can wake up and say, God, you renewed my faith, and I can pray today and change my whole world. It's a very powerful thing to do that. Imagine believing that. Imagine if you really believe that every single day was a brand new creation, and you could pray and change your creation every day. Imagine how powerful you would be. Think about that. It's a very powerful thing. That a person could wake up, he could change his whole reality in one minute. It's a very powerful thing. That's what faith does. Says, God says, you, you, Imuna renews, your Imuna is renewed every single day. So technically, if I have Imuna, I can really believe that everything could change in one minute. We don't want to carry on yesterday. Because remember, any negative thought, where is it coming from? 
It's not coming from the conscious mind. Negative thoughts come from the subconscious mind. And they keep you there. So anytime you're conscious, you're creating new, that means you're in awareness. Opposite is, is the opposite. So remember, stay present. Stay present. Rabbi Nachman would restart the day all the time. When Rabbi Nachman would get flustered, and he would get days that he didn't have the energy, you know what he did? He just restarted the day. So this is a sign to us that many times you just have to restart the day. And then you're recreating the day all day, all day long. This is something, it's a beautiful thing to be able to recreate that day. Take a break and recreate that day. Number eight, very, very important, connecting to the energy of Malchus. What does the energy of Malchus mean? The energy of responsibility, okay? To the extent that you take responsibility, you take ownership for things, it's ultimate humility when I take ownership for something, I, I'm, I'm facing that issue. That means humility and taking ownership. Not facing issues is a lack of responsibility, and you can't draw malchut. This is why we speak about when a person gets married, he could stay single and be easy, right? But he doesn't draw the blessing of malchut, because in order to be malchut, you have to open up the company. You have to put the ring on it. You have to take action to say, I'm responsible. When you have responsibility, you have blessing. When there's no responsibility, there's no blessing. So when we take responsibility, we draw upon blessing. It's very, very important. This concept of machut. Machut is the vessel. So think about today, when you ran and you took responsibility, how much you got, and when you didn't take responsibility, what you got also. This is what we speak about in Kabbalah called the energy of machut. Machut is kingship. <clears throat> I'm taking king. I'm taking responsibility for my actions. It's the greatest way to draw a blessing into your life. And this is where today, anytime you're stalling just to have fun, 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 you're not drawing taking responsibility. You're going away from your purpose in life. So remember that very, 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 very important concept. Number nine, the concept of Ratzon. Very, very important. Your Creator always wants you to have a new Ratzon, a new, a new desire. It's not enough to say, I'm good spiritually. Imagine a good person, I'm good financially. I don't want my business to grow. I'm good. I'm good spiritually. I'm good in my marriage. No, you can't have it. You need to have Ratzon, desire. You should always desire something in life. You have to have desire. Desire is what breaks obstacles. So when we have desires, positive desires, this is how the law of attraction works. I could start having a desire. God, I desire to have a settled mind. I want to meditate. I can't meditate. But just give me the, give me the ability to meditate for 15 minutes a day. You're not, you think you're just going to walk in and meditate? You think it's going to be that easy? You think it's going to be that easy for you? Absolutely not. Before you, you try any spiritual, anything spiritual, the first thing you need to do is want to want it. Want to want it. As you build the want, then reality happens. Today, we just, remember, it took me 10 years to do his bodhidut. 10 years. Not, and I've been, I was learning his teachings all the time. It's not just because you read something, you're going to do it. No, you have to create a vessel for it. And the way to create the vessel is wanting to do it. You want peace, you want shalom bayit in your life? What do you need to say? Please, God, let me keep my mouth shut. You think it's easy to tell a guy, keep your mouth shut. 
You think he's just going to keep his mouth shut? You know how many prayers you need to work on to say, God, please, let me just keep my mouth, let me work in bittul? It's, it's many hours a week, uh, many hours you have to put in this. So anything you want needs ratzon. Because remember, after any spiritual task, there's a big blessing. And this is why you can't stay stagnant. You always have to have one more thing. Always want more. Number 10 is very, very important to have the mentality of what can I do for the world instead of what the world can do for me. What can I do for the world? What can I do for my relationship? Think about in areas of your life where you've been a giver, you've been happy. Think about in life in areas where you've been a taker, you haven't been happy. Because remember, a giving, when you give, Rabbi Nachman says you create a spiritual light that reflects right back to you. So you're really receiving. Giving is receiving, by the way. You're thinking, oh, why am I giving? Many people have a problem with giving. Well, if I give, they're just draining my energy. No, because you're thinking about yourself. Giving is receiving. In a low consciousness says, I'm afraid to give, and they're going to take advantage of me. That's because you're thinking in a very low consciousness. Just thinking like that is a very low mindset. But when you walk in to say, I'm giving out of my heart, you will be receiving right away the same energy you got. But in a very low consciousness, you make it very much about you. Uh, this is what I'm giving. But what am I getting back? Then you're not giving. You're not giving. Then you're looking at the scoreboard. When you give, you take your eyes out of the scoreboard. That means you're giving unconstitutionally. You're giving with no conditions, no conditions of giving. I'm giving because I, I, this is what I do. Because my Creator gives. I mimic my Creator when I give. I'm not telling you to give so you can build your self-esteem and be a people pleaser. I'm not talking about a doormat mentality. I'm talking about going into a relationship, going to a place where you give, and then you'll just get the energy back. You'll get the energy back. When I tell people, oh, thank you. No, you're, you're giving me. Because if it wasn't for the classes, I wouldn't have to be prepared. I'd be watching TV. I'd be doing something else. It forces me to grow because I have to constantly keep. Okay, what's, what's tomorrow? You're really giving me. I'm not giving you. You're giving me more than I'm giving you. But when you're thinking, like, oh, what am I getting out of this? What am I getting? What's the, what, what's the big aha moment? Right away, you're not really giving. And the problem with that is, is this is exactly why it's very hard for people to, do, for public, to publicly speak and why it's such a fear. Because they're too concerned about the approval they're going to get. So they're not really giving, they're getting, they're worried about getting. But if you just go and you say, create the world, open up my mouth, whoever's in the room, let me just say exactly what they need to hear. I'm not even going to be bothered. My, the flow will come from my creator. But the minute I say, oh, is this like the class? Does he like it? Is, is, is he, you think he's going to like it? But I lost it. I lost the communication. Just like the Wi-Fi signal, you lose it. Same point. You lose it. You, you, uh, you lose it because you're not connected to the people. You're not a giver. You become a taker. Opposite of that concept. So this is why you want to come to this world to give, not to be a taker. The last, number 11. If you can't understand it, either accept it, surrender to it, or be grateful for it, pretty much. Do not let logic ruin your life. Do not let logic. Logic usually comes, the reason, if everything was logical, there would be no purpose of free choice. If there's no purpose of free choice, then you would walk around with a flashlight in the middle of the day that would do no purpose. 
and you have to have the free choice in life. Free choice is one of the greatest inventions so your creator can bless you. But not, so if, it's, if we know the answer, then there's no free choice, there's no reward. So there has to be varied situations in life that no matter what you think, how to figure out, it will be blocked from you until you go into these states of surrender, acceptance or gratitude, then your creator will reveal it to you. Very, very, very important. This is exactly what Rabbi Nathan says here. He's saying here, in order to prepare a vessel, the first stage is to look at the ultimate goal where everything is good, when everything is one. Once you look up and you surrender, then, and you go into Bittl, then your Creator can, can dwell with you. This is very similar to the concept of Rabbi Nelson says, that just like you put a seed, the seed has to go into the ground, it decomposes, where there's only earth, and then it becomes a tree. So think about how many times in life we don't want to go into the ground. We don't want to surrender. We don't want to accept. But what happens is that, that seed will never become where it's supposed to be. So the surrender is really the growth. We spoke about it a little bit yesterday. So very, very important. If you can't understand it, accept it, surrender it to faith. And most answers will come to you when you're in a state of humility, in that state, and then the answer will be revealed to you. And the last one, meditate more and hate less. Meditate more and hate less. If you're hating, if you're holding on hate, that means you need to meditate more. It means you're still holding, because remember, the fact that I'm hating somebody or I'm bothered by somebody, because that person is triggering something in me. So if something is really, really bothering me, it's teaching me I need to meditate and let go. Nobody can make you angry, nobody can make you mad, unless you yourself are holding that same energy. All they're doing is setting you off. So when there's a time where resentment holds, it's telling you, you're, the gas tank is full. The emotional gas tank is full. You need to let it out. You need to go meditate and release. And then that same situation will not bother you. And this is why our sages say, in order to do proper tshuva, you have to be put in the same position as you were and pass the test. So it's not like I could say, you know what? I don't want to be around difficult people. I'm checking out. <laughs> Guess what? A new one will come. There will always be difficult people in your life because your Creator wants you to fix it directly at the root. He doesn't want you to run away from that issue. Okay? So these are the 12 steps, God willing, that I think we have. I think I covered a lot. But if you just meditate on these things, waking up early, be more conscious in the world. Be more like your Creator. The ultimate goal in, our, in, in this world is to mimic our Creator. Pretty much. You want to know who's your role model? God's my role model. That's who you should be your role model. God's patient. He's loving. He's kind. He doesn't take things personal. He's patient with us. He wants the best from us. The same way you treat people, you'll treat Him. Then you're connected to His light. Then His energy can flow through you. But to the extent that I cut off the energy, then it's me in control. I lose the divine supervision. And this is where exhaustion comes into place. All right? Any questions? Yes.